Welcome to the Today is the Day podcast, where we take a deep dive into popular health topics and empower you to make informed, evidence-based decisions. We offer practical tools and strategies so you can easily integrate what you learn into your everyday habits. And today is the day we're talking business, nutrition and business, specifically what we've learned with nearly 15 years in the field, what separates the good from the great, and what it takes to thrive personally and professionally working in this persistently evolving field. We'll be covering how to build a solid foundation for your business, why it is both easier and harder than ever to build a nutrition business today, how to know the best next move for your nutrition business, what to be extremely careful of as you start building your business and reputation, and the most essential part of ensuring long-term success. Hi, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us for this episode. It's a bit different from our usual topics and will be fun and informative all the same. I'm Megan Telpner, a nutritionist, two-time best-selling author, and founder of the Academy of Culinary Nutrition. Joining me as always is Josh Catalis, who when I worked out that he was truly the most brilliant nutritionist there is and was sure to build a solid business around it, I had to marry him. Hi, everyone. I'm a clinical nutritionist and functional medicine practitioner with a clinic in downtown Toronto. I'm also the founder of the Functional Nutrition Certification Program and an instructor with the Academy of Culinary Nutrition. The nutrition business is a funny one. It's a field that, for the most part, is completely unregulated, at least here in Canada. This provides some great benefits, but also a lot of downsides, such as the false claims, useless products, ridiculous fads, and maybe a fair share of kooky people. Megs, some might say we are the kooky people. (laughs) You think? (laughs) Starting with our parents? (laughs) But yeah, it's a tricky field that really has no regulating body. And with that, you get a lot of interesting takes on what nutrition is and how to practice it. But as with any profession, you have professionals that are keeping up and up with the latest research and information and really doing a great job and others that are just kind of limping along. You mean the ones who are not really working on doing a great job and are more focused on the upsells, the cross-sells, the affiliate promotions and all the other stuff that comes with running a business. Multi-level marketing. (laughs) Yeah, we'll stop there. We've been through all of them. We've been pitched all of them. So we have a lot to say about it today. I remember a few years ago, we were looking at the agenda for a wellness conference, or it was a business conference for people in the health profession. And there was a guy who claimed to have worked with, and this was like a selling point, over 100,000 clients. And we were like, who wants to work with that person? I think you actually did the math around it. I did do the math. Immediately when I saw that, I took out my calculator (laughs) and looked at how many years he had been in practice and calculated that the amount of time spent with each client in a realistic way was just abysmal. It was like 14 seconds. (laughs) Something like that. (laughs) Well done. If you can heal 100,000 people in 14 seconds... You are not from this planet. And I even remember a teacher saying many years ago when I first started out saying, oh, I've seen a thou- thousands of clients. And that wasn't even something I was too impressed about because it means that you were not spending the time with each one that needed to be spent in order to help them achieve their goals appropriately. Right. You know, something that you and I have both maintained, and we've been doing this since around 2007, is a key focus on our integrity and our reputation, putting that sort of above all else to ensure that we could have longevity. When you were starting out, did you have mentors that inspired you? Absolutely. It kind of started 
in a small circle and then it expanded out. So of course, your teachers usually when you're in school are your mentors, right? Those are the people you look up to. They're introducing this information to you for the first time. So I definitely had a few instructors that I really admired and asked a lot of questions of and even asked for mentorship when I was done and started practicing for them. I also considered a lot of even the authors in certain books, my mentors, uh, maybe indirect mentors, but mentors nonetheless. And then when I was attending conferences and bigger events, I would even consider those people my mentors, the ones that I really kind of had an interest in learning from and spoke to me and were doing a version of what I wanted to be doing. Since you graduated from nutrition school, you have continued to invest a huge amount of time and finances into continuing your education ongoing. That has never stopped for you. And I think that's why you're the absolute best there is. You know what, Meg? I've given this a lot of thought. Oh, have you? You never give anything a lot of thought. <laughs> <laughs> and there's something that I think is deep within my bones called the imposter syndrome. Have you ever heard of this? I have heard of this. Yes. So we all have it at some level, I think. And the imposter syndrome says that we believe or believe that we shouldn't be doing what we're doing because we don't know enough. Right. So I felt this ever since I started. And I think it's a healthy thing to actually feel at some level. Mm -hmm. And there's always a little hint of it in me. So I'm always trying to learn more and become more proficient and fill in the gaps that I think need to be filled in. And it keeps me on my toes. It keeps me good at my craft and it keeps me wanting to learn more and better my breadth of knowledge. Right. I suppose I have a little bit of that, but from a different angle where I always feel like the success that I've had in my business, which has been astounding to me, has all been fluke. Like up until today, <laughs> it's all just been like a fluke of some universal mistake. And I think that for me is what keeps me working really hard every single day that I never feel like I can just coast on yesterday because I'm like, oh, well, yesterday's success was still part of that little fluke. So I better keep going. And I think for both of us, that's what, you know, in different ways, we have different things that drive us to continue learning and improving and refining and really getting better and better and better. And I don't think either of us will ever be satisfied where like we wake up in the morning and you're like, you know what? I've reached my limit. This is as good as I'm going to get. I'm done here. Well, the beautiful thing about learning is as you learn more, you realize how much you still have to learn more and more. Now, if there was a, a sliding scale of the imposter syndrome, I would say that you're a lot lower than I am because you would like pull a stunt. <laughs> like, yes, I'm going to use that word. You would pull a stunt like learning some recipes one night cooking them up, doing them, and then teaching a class on those recipes the next night. Right. It's also possible that due to timing, I didn't actually even cook them up. That maybe I just created the recipes and crossed my fingers and hoped for the best. If it didn't work out at a cooking class, it must have been the student error. Just right. kidding. We'll I would leave, never. We'll leave that as a possibility. <laughs> we won't reveal the truth yet. <laughs> Question for you, Megs. Yes, Josh. Did you model your business after anyone you looked up to? It's interesting because... When we graduated from school, which is now quite a long time ago, you know, there wasn't social media. There weren't really like celebrity nutritionists or anyone doing what I wanted to do, which was really how I ended up doing it. And I started out my business teaching community-based cooking classes. I wanted to teach healthy cooking classes. I wanted the same people to come back every single week and really build friendships and community around the table. No one was doing this. 
So there wasn't necessarily a model for it. And for what I'm doing now, when I was starting my business, there wasn't even the technology. You know, my first vision was to build out this in-person cooking school that I would have multiple cooking classrooms and practitioners and almost be like this hub. And that ended up not being the direction I went. It fueled a lot of my early work. But ultimately, not having a model for my business, I think, turned out for me to be a blessing because there was no benchmark I was measuring against. I was just, you know, out in the world trying to figure this out as I went without thinking, oh, well, that person has already done that. And this person's already doing that. So I need to, if I'm going to be successful, I have to achieve this goal and that goal. So I never had that model, which I think for me was really beneficial because there was no comparing and competing along the way. I was kind of paving my own way, with, which comes with its own challenges and fears and, and drawbacks and having to figure things out that now other people have already figured out. Yeah. So I'd say there wasn't necessarily an exact model and the model continues to evolve. And I think that's something you thrive with. It's like when we have done some art in the past, Right. You put a blank piece of paper in front of me and you put a blank piece of paper in front of you and that excites you. Yeah. And that kind of scares me a little right. bit. Right. And you'll say to me, what are you drawing? And I'll say, I have no idea. <laughs> and you just go and get at it. So yeah. you're, you are an early adopter. It's in your blood. And you've really taken advantage of that aspect of your personality. You know, what's interesting is, as you say that, I, didn't even, I haven't told you this. But it happened last week. I had a meeting with my business group. Every time we have a meeting, we have these breakout sessions with smaller groups and we are asked a question that we have to answer in the group. And the question was, who would you like to thank? And I thanked you in my group because it was when we had just done our vitamin D giveaway initiative. And having been together for a long time, you've come so far entrusting my ridiculous ideas that may not have a destination to them and coming along for the ride, trusting that it will work out. And I think your faith in me and those ideas that maybe don't have that end point builds my confidence to keep doing things that are often deemed different or weird or unprecedented. Oh, that's so nice to hear. Yeah, thank you. And I still remember when you told me you were going to do a full online cooking school certification and what was going through my brain. And 14 years later, you have one and I have one. Would you look at that? <laughs> Would you look at that? So are you running yeah. the business, your business and your practice the way you had wanted? Like, is this the vision you had when you started out? Yes and no. So pertaining to exactly what we just talked about, yeah. I had no idea I would be teaching courses online. Right. I always knew I wanted to be a teacher and I've always dabbled in teaching. You know, I've been a swim instructor. I've been a ski instructor. I've always enjoyed that role and opening up people's minds that way. But I didn't know that I'd be doing it online. So I think it's similar with you that we've never really had specific plans, but we've had ideas of mm -hmm. where we want to go with it. So I started teaching in person in the school that I went to, doing one of their courses as part of the curriculum and also continuing education classes. I also taught at the uh, homeopathic college here in Toronto. And then I took it out on my own. And then I went online after that because so many more people locally and around the world just wanted access. So online made sense and it kind of just evolved that way. And then it had to be made online. Exactly. Yeah. And then the other half of my practice is my practice, right? Is my clinic work. And I always knew I wanted to have a busy practice working with clients with complex health issues because that's what really excited me when I was learning about it, right? So... A lot of it over the years in the building was just a matter of doing 
less of what I didn't want to do or didn't have to do in my area of brilliance and doing more of what I wanted to do and what I was good at and working in my area of brilliance. Isn't that nice? It's wonderful. It's nice to get to that place, but that doesn't happen in year one or year two or even year five. It's having sort of an idea of where you want to go and then being really clear and setting some boundaries to say, this is what I'm now willing to do. This is what I'm not willing to do. And are there other people that can join my team where the stuff that I can't do or don't want to do is their area of brilliance? And that's a really key approach to moving forward and being able to grow and sustain a business that continues to keep you and me feeling really inspired and excited about the work we get to do every day. For sure. Do you remember when we were dating? Aww. You know, you and I were plugging hard. Yes. Like some days I was teaching a class during the day. Yep. I was going and seeing clients. Yep. The second half of the day, then doing a night class. Yep. And we were working every weekend day. Yes. So it takes time to build. Yeah. I was teaching cooking classes in the evenings and weekends because that's when people weren't working so they could attend. And I remember we lived in our apartment. So I lived in my kitchen for a long time in the little corner curtained off from where the cooking school was. And then when we moved into an apartment together, we've talked about this, that we don't remember like a single Sunday afternoon where we sat around at home and watched television or just did... Like we never... We were just, we had our goals in mind and we were at a point in our life where we had the freedom to work that hard and it it's panned out and we don't work that hard anymore. We, I mean, we work hard, but we don't work that kind of hours and we've set up new boundaries, which we call the opportunity cost of, you know, saying no to working 12 hour days to be able to have our life the way we want to have it. What do you think are the keys to longevity in our health and wellness field? A key is never be absolute. Now, there's certain things that we can say like yes and no to. Like, yes, sugar is a no. (laughs) There's an absolute. (laughs) But the key is that the science is never settled. I should say that again for the people in the back. Science is never settled. And we can think about, you know, back in the day when they were using mercury and lead and bloodletting and all these things that we have since learned are not the best way forward. At the time, it was inarguable. So the same thing with nutrition, it continues to evolve. And so we have to be open to allowing ourselves to evolve when new evidence comes out, when there's new known facts, when there's new trends, like to be aware of what's happening and recognize that this is going to be a continuous evolution of learning and practice and applying what we learn to what we do. If I was still teaching the classes I was teaching in 2008 and you were still giving the protocols you were giving in 2008, we wouldn't be where we are today. We wouldn't have had the success. The success is based on the results of the work that we do, the the results that the people who seek our guidance have. And if we didn't evolve with new information, it wouldn't work. For sure. I think there's an estimate that people in med school, by the time they're finished their residency, 50%, of what they learned in school and in the residency is actually obsolete information. So it really illustrates the point of how we have to stay up and up on this information and really move with the times. Yeah. Because the human body's complex and we are attempting to understand it, but there's always more. There's always more and more to learn. You know, even just with like fad diets and the different diets we've gone through, you know, 
you know, in the 70s and 80s, there was this fight against fat. Take out the fat. The fat is bad and cholesterol. And now look what's happening. It's completely flip-flopped on the, the other side. Now people are on ketogenic diets left, right, and center and basically only eating fat. Right. You know, and both had allegedly research to back it up but we have to constantly evolve and have an open mind. Right. So those trends will come and go. And it's really critical as a practitioner in the field to find that point of moderation and more so work with those that seek your guidance to empower them to make some individualized choices for what is right for them. You know, it's really interesting, Meg. What is that, Is that when we were starting out and I would tell people I'm a nutritionist, I'm sure this happened to you too, they would say, oh, are you a vegetarian? Yes. There's still assumptions about me, I think, because my books were predominantly plant-based, my first two books. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but times have changed. I get that question a lot less. Mm -hmm. And also, I never saw the evidence so strong that that was the way I needed to follow 100% of the Mm -hmm. time. So we will be getting to this closer to the end of our discussion here, but not really falling into one strict way of being and being moldable and changeable and moving with the times personally. Another key thing before we move on to the next topic is don't ever, ever, ever make people feel bad for what they don't know. Because I didn't know what I didn't know 10 years ago when I started. And some of the things I was teaching back then, I wouldn't teach today. But you have to, as you're going out in the world and you're learning new things that to you suddenly seem obvious or second nature, everyone is on their own journey and their own path. And if you go at it with an attitude of shaming people or making them feel bad or regret decisions or anything like that, it's going to be hard to accept any new information. So the best way to share information and inspire people to want to participate in what you're offering is to do it in an inclusive way that inspires people to make the decisions for themselves. Not like they're being told or they're being shamed or anything like that. We start with the knowledge we have and we do what we can with what we know. And all we can do is move forward. There's a phrase we use in the clinical practice world called meet them where they are. Good phrase. Yeah. Because you never know who's stepping into your clinic, into your office at that moment. And you need to meet them where they are to be able to speak their language and get them to listen. Yeah. Why are you so good? Well, that's your opinion. (laughs) Maybe (laughs) I'm not that good. That's a fact. (laughs) It's just, I've worked at knowing my craft. As I mentioned earlier, it was the imposter syndrome that keeps me always learning. Like if I dig deep into my soul and ask myself, how much do I think I know today? I have the same feeling that I had 14 years ago. Right. Right? Like I can intellectually say to myself, yeah, you know a lot more. But the feeling that I have on a day-to-day basis is there's still so much to learn. Both you and I have thrived at teaching at the edge of our knowledge. Yes, that's true. And with that, it's exciting. Yeah. And we also sometimes get questions from our students that then push us to go even further. I mean, I would say teaching the edge of your knowledge is exciting, also a little bit scary. But the questions we get from our students, because we're constantly teaching, I know for me, because I'm not in clinical practice, people presenting with complex health situations, it is single-handedly, I think, what keeps me learning because they ask questions that I haven't thought to look into yet. And every time, you know, when I run my culinary nutrition expert program, we have our Thursday Q&A sessions. I'm supposed to go through the questions, put together some answers and be able to deliver it. It ends up being almost a full day for me because I end up going down these rapid 
rabbit holes of information that, you know, just spark my curiosity and encourage me to keep learning. And then I'm so excited to share this, what I've discovered with my students the next day. One of the great things about teaching is that when you learn new information and then you have to put it into your own words and then share it, whether in a class setting or one-on-one with a client or to a parent or a child, the process of teaching strengthens the synapses of that knowledge in your brain. So teaching becomes one of the most powerful tools for learning. And because you and I both are actively teaching and running our courses, but also sharing information with each other, which Josh, by the way, likes to share this information first thing in the morning. And you like to share it last thing of the day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We all we all of our times for distilling, assimilating, and then teaching it. But being able to learn a concept and then explain it to someone else is a really powerful way to almost cement that information in your brain and gain that strong understanding of it. That has become a key part of how our knowledge continues to grow over time. Yeah, Bob Proctor says, and this is something I tell my students as well, you don't understand something until you can tell it to someone else so that they can understand it. Right. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Thanks, Bob. I want to take a pause in this conversation so you can meet Michael Tannenbaum. He is a Los Angeles-based former marketing executive turned freelance food and health writer, father of two, and culinary nutrition expert. Michael took the program back in 2016 and has remained an active and generous part of our community. Here's Michael to share more about how he's using what he learned in the work he's doing now. My name is Michael Tannenbaum, and I am a 2016 graduate of the Academy of Culinary Nutrition. I live in Los Angeles. Taking this course taught me the skills to make almost all of my food from scratch using high-quality, farm-fresh ingredients. I learned recipe development skills and gained an understanding of ingredients and their substitutions. But it was much more than just the cooking class. The most challenging part was juggling the in-depth written assignments with studying the nutrition science and cooking the food, all while still working at my agency job. But I assure you, it is very doable. Initially, I had no idea what I wanted to do with the education. As the modules progressed, I outlined several food business ideas as part of the curriculum, including writing about food and starting my own blog. I've since become a freelance food journalist. And in the spring of 2019, I launched Consciously Kosher. I envision Consciously Kosher as an online platform to educate both the Jewish community and the general public on the overall health benefits of a kosher diet rich in nutritious, predominantly unprocessed whole foods. It grew out of my culinary nutrition research to heal the body and mind with food. My goal is to make Consciously Kosher the number one destination for healthful eating habits, meal hacks, and innovative food products in both the Jewish and conscious eating communities. And I've just launched a lively podcast that I know you will enjoy. I am grateful to the Academy of Culinary Nutrition for providing the tools and inspiration for me to make the sleep from the marketing agency world to my true passion. To learn more about the work that Michael is doing, head over to our blog at culinarynutrition.com forward slash podcast and choose this episode. We love the stories of graduates being able to use what they've learned to pursue their dream goals and do work that is both inspiring to them and positive for the world. That's a win-win. The Culinary Nutrition Expert Program is a 14-week certification that doesn't just share the deep essential skills and wisdom of how to apply nutrition principles where it matters most in the kitchen, 
But the program also empowers our students to be able to confidently share this knowledge with others in a variety of ways. This is your time to shine. You are needed to lead the way in this. If you're feeling inspired to take your passion for health and nutrition to the next level, and perhaps considering a new career, side hustle, or just want to know how to better nourish your family, this is for you. Full details are over at culinarynutrition.com forward slash program. Now let's get back to our conversation. One key area in being self-employed in any business is finding that balance between being the practitioner, so doing the work you do, and being a business owner, meaning working on having a business that is successful because you can be excellent at what you do and an atrocious business person so no one will ever know or gain access or benefit from your area of brilliance that you work in. So it's really important to find ways to balance your time between being the practitioner and being a business operator, at least when you're starting out. And I think both, in fact, need equal time. And what we see is some people will go too far on being the practitioner and then their businesses fail or too far on being a business operator and building a business that what they're actually delivering and serving isn't so good and their business fails. Absolutely. And a big part of both Meg and my business are online courses. Now, Megan. Yes, Josh. What takes more time? Doing the online course, making it? or all the stuff around it? It's interesting because what actually happened was I took the Culinary Nutrition Expert Program online in 2014. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I said it and forget it. And I've been at the beach ever since. (laughs) That's what it looks like on the outside, doesn't it, with these things? The beach in my mind. The beach in my mind. But that's the fun part. Making the courses the fun part is your area of brilliance. But really, you need to know how to market it. Yeah. How to properly deliver it. Yeah. How to promote it. Yeah. Well, I guess that falls under marketing. Yeah, but I think the thing, though, that we have to be really mindful of is when you do create your course, that actually is the biggest investment of time. When you're creating your products, creating your services, getting good at what you do, you know, in the first couple of years, that will take most of the time. Because if you create a product really quickly and it's not good, no matter how much marketing you have around it, it's not going to thrive and succeed year after year, which is ultimately what you want. So it's really finding a good balance, but making sure that both areas of your operation get time and attention. And if you're not great at business, maybe you need a partner who handles that part. And if you love the business side, but maybe realize, you know what, maybe I'm not meant to be doing the work, but I know how to find people who are great at this work, then you find those people. And so that can be a really, really important component. In my business, I'm working on doing more of what I call my craft and having a support team that can take on a lot of the other stuff so that I can now, you know, almost 14, 13, 14 years later, go back to what I was doing in year one because that's what brings me the most joy. Right. But you got to pay your dues and you got to be careful of the shortcuts. This is a big one in our industry is that you don't want affiliations that won't serve you in the long run. You don't want to team up with companies that are not in line with your value set. You want to really be mindful of protecting your reputation and brand, especially in the health field, because you are your brand. It's not like you have a faceless logo or brand, like it's a product, a physical product. It's people are looking at you. And therefore, you have to be careful of what you sell, what you recommend, what you support, what's on your website over the long term. Yeah. And if you do have a product, you also have to be careful about 
the quality of that. That if you start out with something, often people start out in the health field with a product that they have made themselves in their home kitchen and they take it to a farmer's market or that kind of process. And then suddenly you have a co-packer and the quality tanks. You have to make sure that you maintain the integrity and quality from the day one through to day 10,006 when you sell it off for $100 billion. <laughs> I wish. And I should say the what? success of a company is not like the valuation and that you have to sell it at the end. I don't know when that became the thing, but you can also really enjoy being in your business and running it. Absolutely. And on what we just talked about is if you go to my shop on my website, I usually have two to three products in there. <laughs> We could talk about that, Josh, because, you know, you want to be mindful, but you might be being too mindful. Maybe. But the only products I want to recommend are ones, first of all, that I've tested, yeah, that I know are good, that I know are safe, that I know work. And I've got two products in my shop, physical products. One is my Elixir, yeah, which I played with the formulation for years. And now I've been selling it for years and right. lots of great feedback. And it's one that I've created myself. So I have complete control over it. And then the second is my digestive bitters, yeah, which I have on there too, which again is another formula which I use on a regular basis. And I looked for the best ones and put it all together. And again, that's the only products I sell. I would like to share with anyone who's been you know, a fan of Josh's Elixir from day one, if you bought it on day one through to day maybe 650 of when he had this product available, know that those were packed by Josh and I with shower caps on our heads and bandanas over our faces, packing that in our kitchen. You'd get bags of Lots all of the dust. different herbs. We were weighing yeah. them out. It was a crazy process, but you evolved it and also managed to maintain the integrity. On my side, I used to sell a bunch of products predominantly when I had an in-person cooking school. And then Amazon came into Canada and mainly I was selling products that were really hard to find in health food stores. And Amazon made that less of a challenge, though I still recommend you do buy them from your local health food store. I was always really mindful about the products I sell. And even now that I'm not selling hard goods, if I recommend a third-party product like my favorite mattress company to workout app or whatever it is, it's something that I genuinely love and use. I don't ever recommend something just because of a commission I can get or whatever it might be. Or I don't ever recommend something just because I was sent a free product. I want to have the trust of my audience always. And as a result of that, when I do recommend something, I have full confidence that if people buy it, they will love it. And that I can rely on the company too to deliver that experience. And, and for me, that's been really important. Didn't you get sent a fridge with Coca-Cola in it once or something? I'm just, it's I, jogging my memory. I was, it was, it was apparently sent <laughs> back in the day, I was a little feistier online and I was sent holiday fridge. It was this little red plastic bar fridge with a bunch of Coke in it that had been sent from New York. The cans had exploded. So what I ended up receiving was this box that was sticky and dripping with Coca-Cola. And I actually thought it was like a joke. Like I oh thought God. someone had sent it to me. <laughs> like as a prank. And when I called the PR company, the intern returned my call at about 5 a.m. So obviously trying to not get me. And she told me that it had been sent to me in a mistake and my name was actually on the suppression list. And this poor girl had sent Coke fridges to everyone who was not supposed to get them. <laughs> this has nothing to do with what we're talking story. about, but it's a good but, story. Yeah, I brought it up because you get sent, you've like over the years, you've gotten sent stuff 
from people who have yeah. clearly not looked at your brand and what you're all about. Yeah, we have a folder in our main email account called PR fail of mm. like really bad pitches. And even now, like people will email me or message me on Instagram wanting to send me their product. And I always ask for the ingredient list and I always thank them and say, you know, it's great what you're doing, but I don't think I'm the right person. And I'm also really not great at doing a lot of social media on demand and and doing that. So I usually kindly decline. And I, you know, I recognize these companies are small and I don't want to take their product if I'm not going to properly promote it for them. It's a waste of resources all around. For sure. Let's talk about a support network. Because when you're starting out in any field, in any business, and especially in the natural health field where... Wait, basically what I was going to say is you can feel very isolated. In the natural health field, you can feel even more isolated because what you're doing and how you're living could also isolate you from your existing social circle and your family because your lifestyle tends to change. Over the years, it has taken us time to build up a really solid, trusting support network. And we have a network of nutritionists, which our listeners probably also love and follow. And with this network, we have regular dinners together or brunches as the case may be. Uh, During COVID, we had our regular Zoom calls to stay connected. We have an ongoing chat going. And it's become invaluable as a way to share resources, to speak openly and candidly, to share best practices, best tools, best apps, even sometimes best applicants for a job if it's not the right fit. What value has this network brought to your life? Well, I think, again, when I first started out in this field, you feel like you're on an island by yourself almost because you're, you're, you're literally changing your brain. You're starting to question a lot of stuff. You're learning new ways of life. Like this is a lifestyle industry. So when you have a certain lifestyle, you have a certain world around you that you've created to support that lifestyle, friends, places you go, activities you engage in. Yes, as you said, it's been a process of switching that up and it's really helped us to solidify and feel comfortable in our place in the world. Yes. You know, and be excited about it. One thing that I did, and I, I don't know that I would say I wish I did this sooner, but around 2019, I was invited to this dinner. I didn't know much about it. And I'm not a going out person. I'm very, very, very much an introvert and don't love social situations where I don't know anyone. And this often comes as a surprise to people, but that's just it. So I was invited to this dinner and I was like, okay, I'm going to go. I don't know what to expect. I walked into, it was a, a lower level private room in a restaurant with nine people I had never met before. Going to that dinner was one of the single best business decisions I ever made. And I ended up joining this business group. So usually these business groups operate with an annual fee. Often they're by invite only. So you kind of got to know someone who thinks you'd be the right fit. And, and that's how, in my opinion, that's how the good ones work. So that it's a really well curated group of people who are like-minded, but in different industries. And so since joining that group in 2019, where I'm now in a regular brain trust, where on a monthly basis, we meet for three hours and different people are in the hot seat from all different industries. And the insights I've gotten from my business and the surprising, this was really surprising that I actually had knowledge to share with these other highly successful business owners and entrepreneurs has been invaluable in changing my perspective on things. And so it's good to have a network, I think, in your own field, in your own industry. And often that's the easiest one to build and cultivate. And it's just like building relationships. There's give and there's take and you have to share and you have to ask and and be open about that. 
But then going outside your field, you get a completely different perspective. And often it's the perspective of your potential best customers and clients as well. What do you think has been some of the most surprising, unexpected things in the field over your experience in the past 15 years? I'd say one of them is that it's still nuts. Like it's still like the wild, wild west a little bit where just weird stuff shows up, pops into my inbox, new strange products are launched where we look and we're like, okay, I give this six months or this is going to pick up for a year and then it's going to die away. But that it hasn't really still kind of found, though it's massively, you know, it's like a multi-billion dollar industry, maybe trillion, I don't know. But there's still like so much unregulated stuff going on. Mm. What are some of the surprising things for you? I think how much diet trends have changed. Yes. Really. I mean, I mentioned earlier about how we were against fat and now we're for fat, but it's changing so fast because people always want something fresh. Yeah. You know, with every new year, there's a new diet. When we started out back in like 2007, 2008, there was like this massive cohort of like the raw vegan movement. And now we're like 13, 14 years later. And there's like a carnivore movement, which couldn't be more opposite and extreme in the other direction. And like we said earlier, finding that place of moderation is going to be where the longevity is for sure. And that's really where, you know, I appreciate you as a partner because we've both been very balanced through this whole thing. Yeah. And that is so boring. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like it really just bores people. Hey, what were you eating 10 years ago? Oh, the same thing I'm eating today. Yeah. Maybe slightly different, but balanced, omnivorous, you know, a little bit of everything, whole foods, you know, keeping away from the chemicals and the processed foods. And again, like that is so boring. Like no one wants to hear that over and over. People want the latest and the greatest that's going to change their life. And you know what? We've spoken about this in past podcasts. It does change a small fraction of people's lives. Yes. Right? Like any change of diet, there's always going to be people at the end of the bell curve where it's going to really have a massive impact on them. And those are the ones you're going to hear about in the socials and in the news and when the diet is touted as the latest, greatest thing. Yeah. I feel pretty proud that the book I wrote, Undiet, my first book, it was released in 2013, but I actually wrote it in 2011. Obviously, if I were to rewrite it today, there'd be some updates I'd want to make, a few things I'd want to tweak, I'd want some new photos, you know, that kind of stuff. But the core of what's in there is as true today and as relevant and important It's the basics. And those basics will give people the 95% of the results most of the time. Meg, I concur that it's still relevant. Thank you. (laughs) And I still pick it up and read it. I'm like, this book is so funny. I still give it to my clients. Thanks. Yeah. I think one thing that I've noticed for sure that's incredible to see is an elevation in basic nutrition knowledge. And I recognize this with primarily my culinary nutrition students who come into the program that I've now been running since 2013. And the base knowledge they come into the program with is so much higher than when we first started. And I think that's in part due to amazing podcasts, amazing books, and overall acceptance that we need some health responsibility and information that is now far more widely available and some incredible documentaries too, I should mention. Yeah. Sometimes people say to me, clients or students even, and they say, how do we get this information out to the public? Mm -hmm. Like, how do we get more people knowing this? And you know what? It's happening. Yeah. And it's been happening. And I 
truly believe, and I've told you this many times, that we always move closer to the truth. Yes. And a lot of, you know, what we do in the health field, I believe is the truth. And that's why your book's still relevant today, because it's the truth. Thank you. Yeah. So I think we're moving closer and closer there. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. And I would say one of the other things I've noticed in the last 15 years is where when we were starting out, so much of what it took to run a business and be online, we had to kind of figure it out. And now it's significantly easier to start a business and have all those tools available. However, the downside is that because it's easier, more people are doing it. So it can be that much more challenging to stand out. I often say like part of it was luck that we started when we did, that we were some of the first out there doing this and remain out there doing this. However, I think a lot of our success also is attributed to the fact that we've been doing it for so long and have not stopped. Yeah. A lot of people stop somewhere along the way. Well, Megan, you know what they say about luck. It's when timing and preparedness meet. It's a good one. Most importantly, when it comes to nutrition and business, practice what you preach. If you can do what you do and share with the world with authenticity, integrity, and clearly something that you are living, and I don't want to say selling it to others, but inspiring others to participate in what you do becomes effortless. Absolutely. You know, when you see doctors smoking outside the hospital, mm -hmm. it's a little bit disconcerting. Oh, gosh. Right? Is it yeah. not? It's Or, you know, like that's an extreme example. But Megan and I, you know, we go to these conferences all the time and there's multiple sales reps yeah. talking about a product and they're clearly not following their own advice. Yeah. So it really makes you question what they're educating you about. And this has been something that both Meg and I have been... He's just taken my hand, everybody. I have. We're now holding hands. <laughs> <laughs> Are we going to start videoing these podcasts? No. It's been a core value of everything that we do is that we practice what we preach. If we recommend meditation, we're meditating. If we recommend a meditation app, we're using that app. If we recommend an exercise app, if we're recommending a particular food or sprouting or whatever. We're going off sugar for two years. Right. We've tried it. We're doing it. We've seen how it has applied in our life and if it's easy or hard and what the experience is like. And then we can speak of it in a much more authentic yeah. way. And I think that out of everything we said might just be the most challenging part in the first place for people to start. But if oh. you are starting out and you still have a lot of work to do, Continue doing the work, but still start educating, start yes. working with people and start working from where your knowledge base is at because you still have a lot to offer. And don't get paralysis by analysis. Just go do something. Just go do something. Today is the day, as we like to say around here. I want to thank you so much once again for joining us. We have loads of resources and links to help you build a business the right way in the nutrition field. Please head over to culinarynutrition.com forward slash podcast to get access to all of the additional information. Just click on this episode. Of course, if you want to get ahead and stand out in a crowded nutrition field marketplace, be sure to take some time to check out the Culinary Nutrition Expert Program. In addition to the 14-week training that is the core to the course, at the certified professional level, you'll also be part of a game-changing six-week conscious business program called the Biz Rocking Insider Program. This is where I share strategies, tools, and resources along with essential guidance to help you build your own business of your dreams. Head over to Culinary Nutrition nutrition.com forward slash program to learn more.
Knowledge is important, but applying it is where the power is. As I always say, the best way to get started is to get started. Take what you've learned and start applying it in your life. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review and share it with your friends. We look forward to connecting with you again next time.